So over the past few weeks, we have been looking at the book of 1 John, studying one of the main themes in that book, namely discerning the genuineness or the authenticity of our faith. And so why have we been taking an extended time to do that? Well, it is because the only authentic faith, only authentic faith leads to the salvation of our souls. First uh, Peter 1 in verse 7 says that the tested genuineness of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire. And then it says in verse 9 that the outcome of our faith, the outcome of our faith, the tested genuine faith, is the salvation of our souls. And so this morning, church, and every day, there is nothing, and I mean there is nothing more important than for you and for me to evaluate the authenticity of our faith. We dare not ever think that because we grew up in church or because we attend church regularly or because we pray or because at some point when we were little we prayed a decision for Christ or because we are good people, we dare not think that that will result in the salvation of our souls. According to God's word, the tested genuineness of our faith will result in the salvation of our soul. And so, if you've been with us through the past few months, you've heard different ways that John has given us to test our faith, to see if it is authentic, genuine faith. If you have not been with us over the past few months, or if you've skipped some of those messages, I want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to those messages. This is, this is something that we have to hear, we have to evaluate, and we have to get this right. The stakes cannot be higher. And so today we get to an interesting portion of this scripture, isn't it, in First John? The testing of spirits. And when you first read it or you first hear it, maybe you had the reaction that I had. It's like, what the heck, John? How did you get to hear from where we just were. How how is this fit in here? And although many scholars are in agreement that this is a kind of a unique separate inclusion inside this book, that it is kind of a kind of a side note, a rabbit trail, a rant, I think it is essential that we follow one of the most critical rules for interpreting and understanding God's word. And that is that we interpret and read every section of God's word in the context in which it was written. And so I want to do that with this scripture. It is possible to take this, these six verses and, and interpret it much broader. I want to interpret these six verses in the context of what we have been studying in 1 John. I think it is critically important for us. And I think when we do it, we will quickly see one more way of testing our faith Namely, that authentic faith is evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we get ready to delve in there, please pray with me that God will help us. 
Lord, it is with humble hearts that we come to you this morning and ask you to do what only you can do. To use the broken words of my voice to speak the truth that you want to speak to us and to make our dull ears hear clearly the message that you speak to us. Lord, thank you that your spirit brings life. Thank you that when your spirit comes, that you empower us and that you change us and that you transform us. We ask that you do that now. I pray for every person here who in some way feel distracted right now, that you will calm their minds and their hearts and their spirits, and that you will give us the ability to listen carefully and intently, and that your spirit will speak to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we set out to look at this passage, I want to take a one small step back. Remember that the that this letter, as John wrote, it was not written with chapter and verse delineations. And so I think we need to take just one step back. And if we look at the preceding verse to the verses that we read today, chapter 3 and verse 24, the later part of that verse, we see these words. It says, And by this we know that He, God, abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. It's an amazing statement that he makes here. It speaks of God's astonishing love for us and commitment towards us. It says that the Holy Spirit is the authentic spirit that God gives us as proof or as assurance that God abides in us. Now, I'm sure you will agree with me that it brings much comfort to know that God Remember that the Holy Spirit is not some external force. He is Holy Spirit, God, one of the Trinity. To know that God is with us, abides with us. It means that He loves us, that He is with us, that He always sustains us, that He will never abandon us, that He's always good to us, and that He will see us home. This says that the Holy Spirit given to us is proof of God's abiding love for you and for me. And then we see a similar theme in Ephesians 1 and verse 13 where it speaks of the promised Holy Spirit who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So we see the Holy Spirit is given to Christians as our assurance that God abides in us now and our assurance of our inheritance that we will one day inherit eternal, eternal life. That is the Holy Spirit given to us. It is obvious, though, when we look at the six verses we looked at this morning, that the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit that can have influence in a person's life. And this passage does not only address the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth, as it is also called, it also addresses the spirit of the Antichrist or the spirit of error. And you and I are required to test the spirits and see we, whether we are 
led by and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which will lead to authentic faith in Jesus Christ, giving us assurance of our eternal inheritance, or whether we are misled by other spirits, resulting in a false assurance of faith and a false assurance of our eternal inheritance. Now, I have two $5 bills here that I want to show you. Here's one $5 bill. Here's the other one. I wonder if anybody can tell me which is the authentic one. This one. Thanks, Charlene. This one. She says this one is the authentic one. You're right. You can win this one. (laughs) How do we know that this is the authentic $5 bill? Well, we know because... We're used to this. We know this bill. We know the size of it. We know the, the, the colors. We know the print. We see the marks. We see in this bill. You can even feel it. If you look really closely, there's, there's a lot of authenticating characteristics built into this bill so that when even when it is forged, better than this one, we can still be able to tell which is the authentic. This passage this morning, I believe, gives us three marks of authentication of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 says, by this you shall know the Spirit of God. And I believe that we can and we should evaluate our lives for the presence of these marks of authenticity, which if present would indicate the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives and as a result can give us confidence of our assurance of faith and certainty of the guarantee of our inheritance. The three marks of authenticity of the Spirit is that He leads us to confess Jesus Christ. He enables us to listen to truth and He empowers us to overcome. So the first authenticating mark we see here by which we can test whether we are led by and indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God is given in verses 2 and 3. Look there with me again. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist. And what we see here is a type of a litmus test. It's a yes or no. Every spirit that confesses Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. And so it seems pretty simple from this passage to discern the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If a person confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh confess that He is the Son of God, they are led by the Holy Spirit, which means they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, or they are born again. If a person does not confess Jesus Christ, they do not have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and they are not born again. It seems pretty simple. The problem, though, that some of you may have already thought of at this moment is that you may have heard someone confess Jesus Christ and their lifestyle looks very different. 
You may have known somebody who would say with their mouths that they love Jesus Christ and they want to live for them, but they live in egregious sin. And not only do they live there, but they actually like living there. They are content to live there. They love that sin, and they don't really have any desire to change or to repent from that sin. Now, we have to ask that question, is that lifestyle and is that attitude about that sin, is that consistent with that person being led by the Holy Spirit of God? Does this person's life show authentic faith in Jesus Christ? The answer is no. Even though their words, empty words, confess Jesus Christ, they do not bear the fruit that results from the, the transforming lives that we live as a result of the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. And we can conclude that that person do not have authentic saving faith. So we have a problem right here. It seems to contradict the passage that we just read. It means that someone can actually confess Jesus with his mouth and that he is the Son of God and not be from God, not have authentic faith, not have saving faith. So how, is this con- how are we going to deal with this contract? I think the answer is we, we need to look at this word confess and what this word confess means. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, every spirit that does not confess... And so I think we need to define that word confess for us to understand what what this really means. And one way to do this is to look a few chapters earlier in this book of 1 John. In chapter 1 in verse 9, there we see the word confess used the first time in this book in a slightly different context. It says there, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what do you think this means? Do you think this means that if I, if I find myself in sin, if I see that there's sin in my life, does this mean I go to God and I go like, Lord, I saw I sinned. I'm angry. Sorry. And would the result of that be that he will forgive us my, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? I don't think so. I think you're right. I think that confessing of sin is more than uttering the words, okay, I see I sin. And there's a great difference between mentioning my sin and confessing my sin. Confessing involves honesty and tenderness and gentleness and sorrow, and brokenness, and an understanding of what sin really is. And we have a great example of this. When we look at David's life, we see many examples, but there's a great example in Psalm 51. And I want to read a few verses from that psalm. Listen to the confession of David's sin here in this psalm. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. And verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, our, of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David understood what confessing sin means. He understood that he sinned against the holy God and that his sin was evil in God's sight. He was truly sorrowful. He humbly asked for forgiveness and for restoration, pleading with God not to remove his spirit from his life. That confession is so much more than just the words, I know I sin. And so when we get to verses 2 and 3, and we see every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In a similar way, we have to know that this does not mean every spirit, every person that utter the words, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. No, we need to know that the word confessing Jesus Christ has to be more than just saying those words. And so what is confessing Jesus Christ then? Well, I think it is both an acknowledging and an action. I think there's acknowledgement. Confession, confessing Jesus Christ is an acknowledgement that you and I are sinners and that we are separated from God because of our sin. And that we could not, never, on our own goodness or our own merit, be accepted by God. That we could not eternal, inherit eternal life. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth as our Savior. I think it is a humble recognition that Jesus, being perfect without sin took your sin and my sin upon himself and the punishment associated with that sin. And in the place of our sin, he gave us his perfect righteousness so that when we one day stand before God, the judge, the perfect holy one, we will be blameless. But confessing Jesus is not only acknowledging these truths. It also is an action. Confessing Jesus is following Jesus. Confessing Jesus is giving him our all. Confessing Jesus is living for him and becoming more like him. And so church, here's the real test of authentic faith in this regard. To test to see if we are led by God's Holy Spirit. We have to evaluate our confession of Jesus Christ. Do you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth? 
but your life looks very different. You live a life that pleases yourself, that is safe and easy and comfortable, doing all you can to have fun, doing as much as you can to get as much stuff together that will make life fun and nice and easy. Or do you confess Jesus by living for him, by loving what he loves, by pursuing what he pursues, and by de being dedicated to bringing him glory every day of your life? Friends, this is a serious question that each of us has to answer to ourselves on a regular basis. You see, the authenticity of our faith, which is evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit and our confession of Jesus Christ is crucial because only authentic faith is saving faith. A second authenticating mark by which we can test if we are indwelled by and led by the Holy Spirit is given to us in verses 5 and 6. The Spirit of God allows us to listen to truth. Read with me verses 5 and 6. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John is contrasting here those who are listening to those who are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and listening to us who are from God. And he says it as clear as he possibly can. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. There's a hard definitive contrast that he makes because there is a hard definitive contrast in the messages that is spoken by those who are in the world and those who he calls us who are of God. You see, Christianity then, just like today, is under constant attack. There are many false prophets that rose up. There are many who left the church. There are many who tried to, to deceive Christians to believe something other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Some tried to preach a completely different God. Others just put a subtle spin on the truth, on all the truth of Jesus Christ and his gospel, which makes it a false gospel. And John says... Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Remember what that is? This is the message that he says we should be listening to. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so to paraphrase those two verses, he says, Whomever has the spirit of God, who has authentic faith, who is born again, listens to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not to the falseness that the world proclaims. So again, we see kind of a litmus test. Those who listen to the world know and have the spirit of error. And those who listen to the true gospel know and have the spirit of truth. 
And again, we are faced with this problem because daily there are thousands of people who hear the true words of the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed by, by, by faithful men and women, but they are completely unaffected by that message. They are not interested, they do not believe it, and it has not impacted and changed their lives. So obviously, again, we need to realize that this word listening, they will listen to us. That word listening is more than the mere physical action of hearing the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rather, it is a receptive listening. It is an understanding that penetrates the heart, that affects it, and that causes transformation in our lives. This is the type of listening that John is speaking about. And so the real test for us here, for the authenticity of our faith as evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is not only whether we sit and hear, physical action of hearing, the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but whether we listen to the truth of God's word, whether we desire the truth of God's word, whether we listen receptively, whether we desire to understand it, do everything we can to understand it, and whether we are changed and transformed, and it is obvious in our lives. And this is what John is saying. This is what we should listen to because it will affect us and change us. But I want to get very practical here for a minute, if I can. This passage that we read this morning starts with, in verse 1 with these words. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Other than the Holy Spirit, there are two types of voices that will try to impact you this week. There are external voices in this day and age, there are many voices that will gladly tell you their opinion of what is good for your life and how you should live your life. There are non-Christian friends and neighbors and co-workers. There are advertising companies. There are professors and movies and false preachers, to name just a few who will speak words that you will hear but should not listen to. And according to this verse, you and I have the responsibility not to believe those spirits, but we need to test these voices to see if they line up with the Word of God, if this is the Spirit of God. And so when a friend tells you, to do whatever you feel to do in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Whatever feels good. You need to test that spirit and hear that this is not from God. God's word, if you want to hear the spirit of God speak, read God's word. It's a great beginning. There are truths in here about relationships there's not a truth in here that says do whatever you want to in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And so we need to test the spirit and then we need to resist that if we find it is not from God's spirit. 
When a movie makes you emotionally sympathetic towards sin. This is a weird place, Josh. Listen, when a movie makes you emotionally sympathetic towards sin, when you wish this girl would just divorce her stupid husband and, and, and marry this very kind guy who's pursuing her, you know what that movie is doing? You know what the spirit behind that movie is doing? It is teaching you the theology of this world. And if you listen to that then this says that you are not listening to the Spirit of God. We are to listen to those and then test them and say, this, what I see here, the theology of the world that is being preached to me through this movie does not line up with the Spirit of God, and we need to resist it. And when a preacher is unwilling to even use the word sin, but would rather use the word mistake, do not give him your ear. Because if he does not understand the doctrine of sin, he will not understand the doctrine of grace and salvation through faith alone. And the gospel that he preaches is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are just a few of the outside voices that may imp try to impact you this week to live in a certain way. There are also inside voices. And if you're human, which most of you look human, if you're human, I'm sure you are aware of the myriad of voices that speak to us on a daily basis. You are not good enough as a wife. You're a horrible father. You always fail your children. God is not really good. If he was good, he would not have allowed my daughter to run away. I don't know that God really cares for me. I don't think he really loves me. And that list can go on and on and on. And once more, we are re responsible to test those spirits, to test those voices, to see whether they are from God or not. And so if your thought patterns are like those that I just listed, then obviously those voices that speak, those spirits that we need to test, is not from the Spirit of God. They're from the Spirit of error. And so what do we do with that? Well, we have a great answer in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. There is only one way to take captive these thoughts. And it is the same way that Jesus did when he faced Satan in the desert. By his word. By the truth of his word. And so we have to destroy these arguments in our head. We need to take captive these thoughts by reading, meditating, memorizing, and then speaking the truth of God's word against these false spirits, false voices that is speaking to us. And so when you have the thought, God is not good to me, look at the difficult mess that I am in. You need to tell your own soul that Romans 8.28 says that we know that for those who love God all things work together for good. 
even the hard times. That's the truth that we need to speak to ourselves. And when you hear the untruth in your head that God does not love you, you need to destroy that thought by quoting Jeremiah 31 verse 1. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. That is the truth. That is the Spirit of God. Those are the voices we need to hear. And those are what we need to resist the false voices, spirit, that speak to us. Church, we are not to allow unbiblical, wrong external voices to impact us or internal thoughts to freely roam in our minds. We are to test them and then to take them captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Sounds hard, right? It's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible for you and me to do this on our own. But it is possible through God's Holy Spirit. Listen to this wonderful, gracious encouragement in verse 4 of our passage this morning. Little children. He's addressing Christians in a remarkably endearing way. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is profound. He is saying that if the authenticity of your faith is evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, so meaning if you confess Jesus, believing who he is, living for him, devoted to him, loving him, if you listen to the truth of God's word, receptively allowing it to penetrate your heart and change you. And if you take captive and resist the sinful voices and thoughts and speak the truth of God's word to them, then you have overcome. And you have overcome by the power of God's Holy Spirit who is in you. What grace. We will never be able to do this, but he gives us the power to do it. And so the question is, overcome what? Wrong question. Overcome who? It says you are from God and have overcome them. And so God the Spirit helps us to overcome the spirit of the Antichrist who constantly tries to convince us through external and internal voices that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, that He is not worthy to live for, that He is not good, that He cannot be trusted, that you are not good enough, that you are a failure, and that you can live any way that you want to. And God the Holy Spirit helps us to overcome the spirit of error who tries to deceive us to not desire the truth of God's word, to not listen to it, to not be impacted by it, and not to love it. We, church, can never overcome this by ourselves. But he who is in us, the mighty Holy Spirit God, He is greater, infinitely greater than he who is in the world. And so we overcome daily by him overcoming for us. What grace. 
I want to close by addressing for a minute or two those here this morning that when you are honest with yourself this morning, you do not have assurance of authentic faith because you do not see evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit's power in your life in the ways that we have just talked about. And if you're honest with yourself, you find yourself in one of a few categories. Maybe you really do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believe that he came to earth as a man, came to take away the sins of the world, that he was fully God, fully man. Maybe you don't believe that at all. Or maybe you would say that Jesus Christ is true and maybe even that he is the Son of God. But when you look at your life, you know that your life really does not display the evidence of your confession. Or maybe you have really no appetite for God's word. You have no desire ever to be in church and hear his word preached or listen to podcasts. Or maybe you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ a hundred times. But it is like empty words coming into your ears. And there has been no change in your life. There's been no transformation in your life. And how you live does not equate with the testimony of God's spirit indwelling you. Let me say this. Let me start by saying I am so thankful for every man and woman and child here today who has those thoughts. I'm thankful because if you are having that thought this morning, if you look at your own life and you see, I, I, I'm not, I don't have authentic faith, where the authenticity of my faith is lacking, the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit is lacking, I want to tell you why I am thankful I'm thankful because if you think that, it is already a sign that God's Holy Spirit is having an impact in your life. Because there's just no way that any of us ever will have a realization of our sinful condition before God without God helping us to see our sinful condition before Him. Our hearts are our heart and our hearts are evil and we we would rather live for ourselves than God and so if you're here this morning and you're in one of those categories or many more categories know this that there is proof in your life this morning that God the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and so the question that you may ask is so what do I do about this well, I think there is only one thing to do when we find ourselves at the place where we realize I do not have authentic saving faith. And that is to do what David did in Psalm 51. And so if you're in one of those categories this morning, I want to encourage you to go to God in as sincere a way as you can. And to ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to help you. 
Tell him that you have looked at your life and you don't see saving faith and you desire to have saving faith because you desire to know that you will inherit eternal life. Ask him to do a regenerating work in your life that only he can do. Realize one thing. If you're sitting here this morning and you think, yep, I may be in one of those categories, but I may just not be good enough for God. Realize one thing, that every Christian here today, every Christian that has ever lived, that has true, authentic faith, started off as an enemy of God. Everyone. And this morning, there is nobody that is too bad for him. There is nobody that has fallen away so far there is nobody that can say my sin is just such a mountain that I cannot believe that God will forgive me that sin. He will forgive that sin. That is who he is. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Each one of us is born a sinner. He came to save sinners. There is nobody that has too much sin that Jesus Christ will not forgive you for that. Know this, you cannot change yourself. You cannot walk out of this place and think, I'm going to fix it. You will not change yourself. You cannot overcome your unbelief or your non-desire for God or for His Word. But if you will humble yourself before Him and ask Him to help you, you will see in your life, I believe this with all my heart, the third authenticating mark that we spoke of. You will see the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, namely that He will empower you to overcome and He will give you authentic saving faith because that is what Jesus came to do and it is because He's a gracious and good God. May God do that for every person here this morning who knows that they do not have authentic saving faith. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit to help us in this life and to give us assurance of the inheritance that is to come. Lord, thank you for the evidences that you've given us that we can evaluate our own lives and test for authenticity of our own faith by looking whether our confession of Jesus Christ is true and whether the listening that we do to the truth of your gospel is true. And thank you, Lord, that you gave us your spirit to overcome Lord, without your spirit, we would be nothing. We would be so powerless, but because you who are in us are greater than him who is in the world, you help us overcome. Spirit, we need you. I pray for every man and woman here this morning who realizes that they do not have authentic saving faith and that is faced with a decision here this morning 
Am I going to bow my knee and start following Christ? Not just saying it with my mouth, but am I going to trust the Holy Spirit of God to indwell me, impact my heart, and affect change in my life? And Lord, for every person here this morning that is at that struggle, at that crossroads right now, I pray your Spirit will give them faith right now to say, I am going to trust the Lord God so that I can have authentic, saving faith. I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Him to help me to not live for myself anymore, but to live for Him. Lord, Your Spirit, I pray now, will impact hearts that need You this morning. And we all do need You, Lord. I pray as we worship now that Your Holy Spirit will impact each one of us.